Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Elena, for helping with that. My wife uh, thinks I'm nosy. She didn't tell me. I, I read it in her diary. <laughs> and in the same drawer that the diary was, bottom drawer by the side of the bed, I found an egg box. Never seen it before. And I opened the egg box, and inside the egg box are three eggs and rolled up a uh, hundred pounds of notes. Really puzzling. So I, I grabbed Sarah in the morning. I said, uh, Sarah, after I'd read your diary, <laughs> I found this egg, egg box and I opened it. There were three eggs in and a hundred pounds. I said, what's going on there? It's really strange. She said, darling, because that's what she calls me. <laughs> I call her wife. <laughs> darling, she says, <clears throat> um, over our 32 years of marriage, She said, over our 32 years of marriage, every time you've preached a poor sermon, I put an egg in the box. And I thought, that's amazing. And I felt really chuffed. And I said, what about the 100 pounds? She said, oh, every time I get a dozen, I sell them for a quid. So, we're entering a new series. It's called Walking the Walk Together. What's the series called? Walking the Walk Walk Together. You know, when I was young, when I was really young, um, in Sunday school and things like that, we were made to learn memory verses. It was just one of the things we did. We were... This was really important to us and to the, to the teachers. And, and not just that we read it, but that we, uh, we did odd things like learn all the names of the books in order. You know, some clever people probably knew them in alphabetical order. I never got there. I never got that badge. Um, but just know the names of the, the books of the Bible in order. But we would learn memory verses as well. Sort of key verses that, that help you with life and help you explain the faith and those kind of things. Uh, when I was really young, my, my dad used to uh, make me read the Bible. I look back now and I think, oh, I'm so thankful he did. Uh, but as proof for himself that I'd read the Bible, he would record me. I've got a whole tape of me reading Jeremiah. Jeremiah. No wonder I'm depressed. I'll tell you, I was six. What is, I didn't understand a word of it, but I've got it on tape. Thus, thou, thou, thus, thus, all this kind of stuff. King James English. Anyway, just as proof of that, here's, here's just a, a little verse from the New Testament. You have no idea. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
I had probably, obviously, no idea what I was saying. I was a little six-year-old there, tied to the... No, I wasn't tied to the chair at all. <laughs> with, a, with the recording device in front of me, a bright white light shining on there. You will learn the Bible! <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. No. Look, learning Scripture is really important. It's really important. And, and it seems to, through church life, uh, have become a little less important. And one of the things, I think, because of that, is just because of the variety of translations now. Most of the verses I know are still King James versions. And we've used the New International Version for many years. But let me encourage you, not just to have one of these, however you have it, whether you have it digitally or paper, um, and not just to read it, because we've spoken many times from the front about reading. It, it, it's like food. It's nourishment, okay? You want to get weak as a Christian? Top tip, don't read this. You want to fall under every pressure? Top tip, don't read this. You want to be left to your own devices when all around you has fallen down, you realize you've not got enough substance yourself? Top tip, don't read this, okay? But on top of that, why not learn some of this. Just, just, just a verse. Just memorize it. Something encouraging. Maybe something that you know speaks to you at the moment. And during this series, series of four talks, uh, we're going to revolve around just one little passage of, of Scripture. And uh, it's from Colossians chapter 1. And for me, it's quite poetic. It's not as poetic as some other passages of Scripture we've talked about here. But nevertheless, it's quite poetic. And if you give your mind to it, you can learn in it. And I think because we've got four weeks over this, and uh, maybe in your small groups, you could maybe learn a little bit of the key passage that we're going to talk about. Let's pop it on screen. Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Let's pause there. Why don't you say that back? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Let's just pause a minute because we could do a whole series on that one line. Uh, you, you have no idea, or maybe you do, how important that one line is. You, you want to know what God's like and you've got stuck in Joshua or Deuteronomy or Samuel or Chronicles and you're struggling to know what God's like. I'll give you a tip. Just park that in the Shork Stay car park and nip to the Gospels and read about Jesus. Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We are a Christ-centric church. We, we try and look at Scripture through Christ. We try and look at our lives through Christ. And this passage of Scripture that this whole series is based around starts with this fantastic sentence. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It goes on. He is the firstborn of all creation. Get this. In him, all things in heaven and earth were created. Say that a little bit. In him... All things in heaven and earth were created. Jesus the Christ. We talk about how he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And indeed he did. But Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was the one in whom all things in heaven and earth were created. 
way, way back. He took on flesh and bodily form 2,000 years ago, but way, way before that, in the dawn of creation, in him, everything was created. This is profound stuff. This is helpful to learn. You know, when you're feeling down, you think God's not there, or you think he's not big enough, or you're... uh, you're overwhelmed by stuff and you're, you're struggling to just break your mind out of all the detail, pick up something big like this and read it. The things that were created were visible or invisible. They were thrones, rulers, authorities, and power. You don't get any bigger, folks. All things were created in him. And then it goes on. All things were created through him, And for him, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, the answer to the question, why is anything here, is answered in this sentence. Why is anything here? Because it's created for him. For who? This amalgamous, floating, ethereal body, no, for Jesus, created for Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. He is what? Before all things and in him all things hold together. Full stop. End of memory verse. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, 16-ish. Somewhere around there. Write it down. Make a mental note. We're going to read it every week over the next four weeks. I encourage you to learn it. And if you can't learn all of it, just two screens long... Learn that first sentence. Just learn it. We'll have a test at the end. Uh, I'll get a box of Heroes or Quality Street or something like that. And the person who can do it best will get a prize. I've said it out loud now. It's got to happen. Okay, that's the end of the series. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. This, This series is called Walking the Walk Together. Do you know, I guess if we were to rephrase just that sentence, walking the walk together, it could also equal this, that we are on an active and unique journey in community. We are all called to be actively on a unique journey in community. Do you know, there should be nothing passive there should be nothing uh, que sera, sera about the Christian walk, the Christian faith. It is an active thing. We are, we are like pilgrims going somewhere in life, through life. And it's unique. Why is it unique? It's unique because Bev is totally different than me. And what God wants to accomplish through Bev is different than what God wants to accomplish through me. It's unique. And it is a journey It's a journey from A to B and then B to C and C to D. There actually is nothing comfortable, pewish about the Christian journey. It's an active walk and often it's tough. And then finally, we are called to do our unique journeys together in community. Really? But I'm an introvert. Well, so am I. And us introverts and us people who are sometimes uh, socially limited (laughs) 
let's just say it that way. We, we have to work harder because there is something about doing this walk and this journey together where we find the blessings and the encouragement from others. And I want to encourage you during this whole series that uh, this walk we are on is both unique, but we are called to do it together in community. Here are the four elements of this, uh, this series. Some would say these elements are also a process that we go through when we are starting investigating faith. The four elements are uh, belong, believe, behave, become. Can you say that out loud? Belong, believe, behave, become. And they will become clear as we, we talk through the series. Why are we even doing the series at all? Well, we're doing it because there seems to be, and I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about in Christendom, in the Christian faith around the world, a growing gap between what we believe and how we behave. An increasing gap between what people say we believe. We believe this, we believe this. And they'll talk about wonderful, foundational, glorious things to do with God through Jesus Christ. And then how we behave seems to contradict that. And that gap seems to be growing. So there's a point to doing this series just on that basis. Here's another reason. One, there seems to be a bit of a confusion as to actually what we belong to. Or who we belong to. And certainly throughout um, the world today and those people who study sociology, there's this great sense of I belong to myself. I have my stuff. I matter most. And not only that, get this, and you'll all have heard this, I have my own truth. You want me to believe the truth? I'll tell you my truth. And you can have your truth. You heard that? What do we belong to? Who do we belong to? There's a reason for doing this series. And probably the, minor, uh, the final thing is this. There, there seems to be a growing sense among many of us. A, an unwillingness to become something other than we are. And I want to be able to talk into that. And I put myself in that category as well. We all like plateauing and staying there. We all like getting to a certain place and going, that's it, I'm content now with life. And we stay and we stop becoming something when the God of Scripture is calling us to become something better than what we are. There's three reasons why we do this series. I wonder if we could just pray right now if you want to put your hand somewhere near your heart. Father God, we thank you. You are swift to bless. You want to do us good this morning. Thank you for accepting our praise. Thank you for accepting our prayers. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through Scripture. And Lord, we just ask now, over these next few minutes, that you will help us, even at a very basic level, to grasp something again about you and from you that helps us in our journey as individuals and in our journey together as community. So, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. And everyone said? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. My two points today 
in this talk, which is called Belong, are this. One, we belong to Jesus first. Two, we belong to church. One, we belong to Jesus. Two, we belong to church. Let's start. Belonging to Jesus. In today's culture, a lot of our value is placed on what we possess. Would you agree with that? So much of our value. Even though, even if we try to resist that kind of worldview, it creeps into us. Um, it's really subtle. It's sort of by osmosis from the social circles we mix in, what we watch on TV, what we read. It creeps into us that, what, that our value is to do with what we possess. And yet our faith, our Christian faith, is, is about this. It's not about what we possess. It's about who possesses us. That's where we find our value. It's not what I possess. It's about who possesses us. Now, there's a thought that many people don't like to think of, that I belong to someone else. It's not a natural thought to have, especially when the world is, is wrestling with the whole idea of slavery over centuries. It's not a nice thought to have that, that I belong to someone else. And yet our whole faith is based on the fact that there is a greater one, the one who's mentioned in that verse that we read earlier, who possesses us. I don't mean possess like you've watched the Exorcist movie, just so you know. I mean someone who we belong to. In fact, the Bible says it really clearly that we are God's possession. And he treats his possessions very carefully and very dearly. We are very precious to him. And it's countercultural, isn't it, to be able to say that we belong not to ourselves but to God. And I want to encourage you in this that Christianity following Jesus is very much a counterculture. I remember once preaching a, a series called Turn Up the Contrast. And. Uh, when you turn up the contrast on things, on, on monitors or on TVs or on your, your laptops, you're actually increasing the difference between black and white and things become more and more stark. You have contrasting colours, contrasting shapes, contrasting edges. And there is something about Christianity and truly following Jesus where the contrast between the normal accepted worldview and the worldview of Jesus becomes clearer and more defined. It, this Christianity is counter-cultural. General worldview is, I will love you, I will like you, but I can hate my enemies. Jesus comes along and says to his disciples, love your enemies. He does. He starts with neighbor, and then he takes it further. Love your enemies. Wow. Wow. This walk we're on challenges us not to be a subculture hidden and embedded without, within our normal culture. Um, let me have an example of a subculture. Surfing. Any surfers in the house? I can't see any long blonde hair anywhere. Well, on ladies I can, but, you know. Surfer dude, right? They have their subculture, right? 
Lots of subcultures going around. Christianity is called to be a counterculture. We contrast what is with what Jesus says, does, and is. And that itself is a challenge. If we go back to that little verse, the end of that verse, um, I think it's coming up on another slide. It says this. Read it with me. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you like that verse? Are you sure? Are you sure you like that verse? Because if you like that verse, let me tell you, you cannot escape this fact. You are owned by Jesus. He's got you. His divine DNA, genome, his divine chromosomes are all over you. You just can't get them off. You can take all the operations you want. You're not going to get them off you. He's all over you, right? All things were created in him and through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Who do I belong to? Jesus. The very fact I'm here is proof that he is who he says he is. I was made for him. And I want to make that clear to us this morning because there are so many Um, traps, you know, when people come to church that we can fall into. Look, let me be honest. Church drives me crazy. It really does. It drives me crazy, but I love it. Right? Anyone else driven crazy sometimes by church? And, you know, church folk. There are no church folk here today. But, you know, church folk sometimes can drive you crazy, right? I mean, it's the reason I've got no hair, for goodness sake. Right? But I love it. I love it. And I love it because I know Jesus loves it. But more on that later, right? Here's what... um, Here's, I think, what we, we gather from this verse. We have been captured by the purest of loves. And we cannot shake it off. You and I. Have been cap- if we're followers of Jesus, we've been captured by the purest of loves. And you just cannot escape. Now, what we can do is try and live ignoring that and just think, oh, I belong to a bunch of nice people or I belong to this club or this society or, or I believe this thing, but I don't want to believe that thing. And that's, that's all okay. But if you miss this point that you belong to Jesus, you've missed the whole thing. We're existing in a kind of subdomain on the fringe of what real faith is if we miss the person who the faith is about. Not all of you drive me crazy. Some of you I could hang around with all day, right? (laughs) But get this, even if I choose to hang around with you all day and spend all my time with you, that is not a proof that my faith is strong. I could even learn to to speak the best Christianese. Say all the right things. Sing all the right songs. Say all the right prayers. But but if it's not about him, if I am not about him, if I don't see him as the one who things are in and through and for, 
then I'm missing what this is about anyway. And I'll still be filling my, my weekends with good stuff on a Sunday morning, on a small group during the week, and still involving teams and small groups. And, that, and that's all helpful. That's all really good stuff. It's good for well-being, all that kind of stuff. But if I'm missing him, I'll never have a chance of behaving or becoming what he wants me to be. Is this all right? Yeah. And, and those verses of the Bible there, and many, many more, of course, they, they trap us. They say, ah, you say you believe this stuff, but look, you're not living like it. You use the word believe, but it's not embedded in you. And I, I want to challenge myself to become truly the person God wants me to become. And so he has got to be the main thing. Let me just say this to seekers who are here today, people who are just curious about faith, curious about Jesus, curious about what's going on, curious about the language we use when we talk about true eternal hope being in Jesus, curious about the language you use when we talk about salvation and all that kind of thing. Let me say to you, you are designed to find your fulfillment and freedom in Jesus. How can I find freedom and fulfillment if I belong to someone? I'm not free. Oh, you'll be the freest you've ever been. You know, once you find the creator, the designer, the one who knows everything fits together, you're truly free. We have a piece of software we use at church to sort of administer the church and to email people out and text people out and keep things in order for safeguarding matters and issues to do with uh, small groups and issues to do with training. It's called Church Suite. Many of you have accessed Church Suite and you keep your details on it. Let me tell you, we know a fraction about how it works. And sometimes we sit down in front of this software and we're like this. How can we do this? I'm sure it does this, but how can we? And we've reached the limit of what we know about it, right? And we feel a bit limited in what we can do. We know it can do all this stuff. Do you know how we find our freedom and fulfillment in it? We ring up the people who wrote the software. We ring up the designers of Church Street. We say, we know it can do this. We're sure it can do this. How can it do it? And they tell, the designer tells us. And suddenly, it's easy. We can do it. This is what, and a whole new vista opens up to us, and suddenly we realize we can do this. How about we take that and we explode it to the whole of creation? And sometimes we walk through life finding a measure of freedom and a measure of fulfillment, but inside, inside, we're still screwed up, we're still shriveled up. We're still dry. We still know, no, I'm not finding real happiness and joy in this. Well, the designer can answer the questions. But before he answers questions, sometimes he just, he just wants you to know he's here. He's just here. And he sees you. And he made you. You're here through him, by him, for him. In fact, why don't we just pause right now? Right now, just pause. Let's close our eyes. Didn't intend to do this right now, but we'll, we'll do it right now rather than near the end of, of my talk. Just 
feel those two words I said, freedom and fulfillment, maybe strike a chord with people. And Maybe you've seen church, you know a lot about church, you even know the lingo of church, you may be involved in church, but you've even been challenged so far by this one or two verses from the Bible and, and what I've said, and you know deep in your heart, Jesus is not all he should be to you. You've not given all you should have to him. You're resisting belonging to him. And therefore, you find yourself limited. Anything but free. Anything but fulfilled. And this Christ, Jesus, who was there at the dawn of creation and then later took on flesh to show us how to live. He died to conquer death so that we could be free ultimately from sin and eternal death. And then he rose again to offer us new life and he says, look, follow me. Follow me. I forgive you. Why doesn't everyone just pray this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I'm sorry for how I've harmed myself, harmed others, harmed my relationship with you. Wash me clean. Make me new. Strengthen me with your Holy Spirit. I accept your freedom. Help me live for you every day of my life. Amen. If you said that, prayed that prayer sincerely in this moment, something remarkable has happened to your mind and to your heart and to your spirit. And none of us here would want you to leave this place without having the opportunity to talk and pray with someone just for five minutes at the end of the service. Please remember this. At the end, when everyone else is mingling and rushing around, head over to our Need to Talk banner and just say to someone who will be standing there, I prayed the prayer. That's all you need to say. I'll spend some time with you. Okay, let's open our eyes. So to seekers, you are designed to find your fulfillment and freedom in Jesus. To believers, I guess that's most of us in this house this morning, look, beyond your belief and beyond your behavior, know that you belong to him. We are all tempted to go, oh, do you know how much I believe? Let me tell you how much I believe. You can't answer that question, can you? I can answer that question. Because I have lots of beliefs. And, and belief becomes something that we have. And, and some of us say, oh, I behave better than you. Look, I've mastered this behavior. You haven't mastered this behavior yet. Look, and I would say this, beyond all that, beyond all that, it means nothing unless you understand that you belong to him. To Jesus. It's about him. Your belief and your behavior could be piled high. You could be the world's foremost expert. And all of it means nothing unless you know you belong to him. And I would encourage you, every person in, in New Life Church, whether you've been coming here for a week or whether you've been coming here for, for decades, don't lose that first love. And if you have, find ways to rekindle it. Find ways to rekindle it. Put aside your, 
your study books, put aside your fancy podcasts, listening to this, all that, build up all your behaviour and your belief. Put it aside a while and get back and say, Jesus, I cannot do another moment without you. I don't want to go on from here without you at my centre. Let this be all about you. You know, when... I'm quite certain when I meet Jesus in eternity, whatever that looks like, he is not going to give me a a test on what I believe. I don't think he is. He's going to say, do Numbers 15 now. Go on, do it now. I go, not only can I do it, Jesus, I can do it in Hebrew. (laughs) Oh, really? Wow, we'll paint your street gold. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think he's going to look us in the eye and he'll go, Russ, proud to know you. In fact, Jesus said, there are some people who are going to come to Jesus and they'll say, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name and I did this in your name. And Jesus will look him in the eye and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's scary. Look, we're gonna, next week we're going to talk about uh, belief. The week after we're going to talk about behavior. The week after we're going to talk about who we are becoming. But right now, right now, this is why I started with this. Put that aside. Just enjoy belonging to Jesus. <laughs> Rekindle it. That's what it's about. You're not going to face him in the future. He's going to show me all your, till, your skills and your talents. He's not going to do that. It's going to say, son, daughter, proud to know you. Second thing this morning, not only do we belong to Jesus, but we do belong to church. Look, church isn't perfect, but Jesus instigated it. Hello? Church isn't perfect. In fact, let's all say that back to you, just so we're on the same page here. Let's just agree, okay? If I hear anyone say it is, out. No. Okay. Let's just say that. Church isn't perfect. perfect. Yet Jesus instigated it. it. It's true, right? Don't you love when Jesus was choosing those people who who weren't just going to believe what he said, but were going to belong to him and walk around with him? He chose the most unlikely of people. Right, totally imperfect. And not only when you look at some of them three years later or nigh on three years later, they're still imperfect and messing it up completely in big ways, right? Arguing with each other about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit on his right-hand side. This is after they've been walking with Jesus for ages. He picked imperfect people. Church is not perfect, yet Jesus instigated it, and he calls us to be part of it. Could he have chosen me to be part of a perfect church? No, because he couldn't find any perfect people. It would be a church with just him in it, right? The rest of us have got no chance of matching up to him. So let's just get used to it. And we are called to be with each other. Second thing about church. Church taints the untainted one. You can't say that, Russ. I can say it. We've been doing it ever since church started. 2,000 years ago. Church is, is, 
church is the only organization that in amongst its search to be better goes along life still tainted the untainted one, right? Because people look at me and they go, well, that's what Jesus must be like. And I mess up, right? You stub your toe and a naughty word comes out. That's what Jesus is like. Someone cuts you up in traffic three times on the trot. Is that not like that, you know? That's what Jesus is. Look, church is the only organization that has the ability to taint the untainted one, yet he still gave himself for it. Are you getting this? Church is often disfigured and damaged. But Jesus still calls it his body. His body. We know we disfigured and damaged. We know we fall out. We know we disagree. We know we argue. We know we have wrong ideas about this and wrong ideas about this. We know we find it difficult to say sorry or difficult to forgive. We know all that kind of stuff. We are disfigured and damaged. Yet Jesus says... This is my body. You don't get any closer than that. That's why church can drive us crazy and yet we love it. We love it because it's the closest thing we get to Jesus' body. Christ is the head of his body, the church. says this in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church, giving himself up for her, cleansing and sanctifying her. Now, if I was going to talk on a marriage series now, then I would take one angle from that. But I, what I want to bring out this is just the, the accepted idea that Christ loves his church. Husbands, love your wives. How? How? What, what's the example? Husbands, love your wives. How do I know how to do that? As Christ loves the church, giving himself up for her, cleansing and purifying her. I'm pleased I belong to you. I'm pleased I belong to each of you and to community. I am so pleased. I know we say this. Sometimes we say this. If you were the only person left in the world, Jesus would have died and rescued you and done it for you. And that's absolutely true. The point is, he didn't. He did it for us. For us together. And sometimes we forget that when we read anything in the New Testament, apart from the Gospels, that we're actually reading things that were written to churches together, a, a church, a body of people. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we think, oh, that's a word, that's just a word for me. What a wonderful word for me. Thank you, Jesus, it's a word for me. Jesus is going, no, that was, I wrote that for the church in Ephesus through Paul. I steered Timothy's hand to write this to this church or this group of people. It's about us together in community. Christ is the head of his body, the church. 
So look, who do we belong to? <clears throat> we belong to Jesus, first and foremost. Ignore that, get that wrong, nothing else matters. It, it falls down. We're just playing games. We're playing at, at Christianity and we're playing at Christianese and we end up becoming a religious person who has the form of faith but no faith in the person. And that's all too common. So let's start there as a group of people and then know that we do this walk thing, we do this journeying thing, not on our own, not on our own. But you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, maybe not. But I have no biblical proof that that's the case. Hello? Because it's all about us. And it's all about allowing different parts of the body to help each other. How can the ear say to the leg, I have no need of you? Says Paul the Apostle. We need each other. Now, if you were to think of these four points, belong, believe, behave, become, not just as elements of our walk together, but if you were to see them as a process, as a process of, of coming and being part of all that God calls us to be, then this is also true that the first thing that Jesus says through the church to people who are even slightly interested in knowing more is this. Come as you are. Belong first. Just come as you are. You can belong before you behave. You can belong before you believe. You can belong before you even understand you've got to become something. Just come as you are. Just belong. You know, Jesus went around showing sinners that they belonged in his presence way before he asked them to believe anything or behave. Let me say that again. Jesus went around showing sinners that they belonged in his presence way before they believed, way before he asked them to start behaving. He just went around doing it. And I want you to understand something about this church today if we're trying to become truly more like Jesus Christ then we say to people come as you are come as you are belong oh you won't know all the songs oh you you, you won't yet know Jesus you haven't yet accepted him but but nevertheless you belong in his presence you belong in his presence doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how you define yourself. doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter what your troubles are in your mind. doesn't matter what's screwing you up inside. Let me tell you, come as you are. Stop trying to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus and before you come to church. You don't have to clean yourself up. Leave that to when we get later to believing and behaving and becoming. Just... Just leave that, park it in medium stay, car park. Just come as you are to Jesus. And let me also say to those of us who've been following Jesus a long while and we go through periods in, in our life where we know we look inside and we, we don't like what we see. And we don't like what we see. Let me tell you, come as you are. 
there was a woman in the Bible who is described as having an issue of blood. It was a uterine hemorrhage. That's what it was. That's what we would call it nowadays, okay? And um, there was no way of dealing with it back then. And, and the law, as it was, Levitical law, uh, said that she must live on the outside of a village because she is unclean, right? You've got to live at the outside of the village. And, and no one could go and visit her in a house. In fact, her foodstuffs that would be delivered to her so she could live would be dropped off outside a house and then the people would scuttle away and she would come and collect the foodstuffs and bring them in. She could have no contact with anyone else because she was unclean. What was she? Unclean. And one day she heard that there's this, there's this healer, this holy man coming through and he's on his way to meet a centurion who has got a poorly family member. She's heard that this healer is making his way through town. She knows there's going to be a whole cacophony of noise and a, and a big crowd of people around him. And for the first time in years, she ventures more than a few meters from her, her little dwelling and she ventures out. Something of bravery and confidence comes through and she, she fights her way through the crowd, touching people. Oops, Right? She fights. Why? Because she's got to get to him. She's got to get to him. And she gets to him full of uncleanness because the law says so. It's got to be true. And she comes to you. She just manages to touch the hem of his garment. Just the end. And Jesus turns around. Says something to her that she has not heard up close for decades. He says, daughter. She's not heard anyone say daughter up close for years. He says daughter. And she was made well. Do you know the world was saying this to her. Don't take your uncleanness near anything that's clean because you will make that unclean. Do you get that? So what the message was, don't take your uncleanness near anything that's clean, especially like a, a temple, because you'll just make it unclean. Jesus, the walking temple of God, the very embodiment, the image, the living, breathing, moving temple of God. She came close and she touched him and she didn't make him unclean. He made her clean. Come as you are. Just come as you are. But I'm bleeding inside. There's darkness growing. Just come as you are. Just come. Just come. But when I got to then believe and be, well, look, park it. Just come. Just, I mean, just the hem of his garment. Right? Jesus had a lot of problems with the Pharisees. They had a love of the law. Jesus had the law of love. That can be a bit like our worldview, combating the worldview of society right now. As a church, let's have a law of love rather than a love of the law. I remember once preaching a sermon many years ago. The sermon title was Tut Tut. I did one of those naughty things where I was inspired to preach a sermon by a couple of people in the church who uh, every time something slightly went wrong or someone misbehaved, you would hear this. And I thought, I, I don't want a tutty church. I, want to be, I don't want to be part of a tutty church. Do you want to be part of a tutty church? 
But we can be on the inside, can't we? That's not how Jesus was. Time's gone. Church, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Come as you are, first. Whatever way possible, whatever you have to park to the fringes of your mind and your spirit, know again that you belong to Jesus before you belong to anything else. And then, as best you can, as peaceably as you can, with as much openness as you can, enjoy belonging to this. It's the only place we grow. Without this, we stagnate. We think we're getting closer to Jesus. But he speaks to us through this, through each other. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.